fasting, though, it has to do with your will. And I'm going to share with you just a little bit this morning on, on the will of man and upon your will and upon uh, God's will. And there's different, different parts of your will. Uh, and I want to look at two specific parts this morning. There's one part of you that is just a will and determination. And the, the will, your will, is part of your soul. Your soul is your mind, your intellect, your memories. It's your will and it's your emotions. It's anger and sadness and, and, and happy. And all of that is part of your soul. And your soul will go to heaven. But your, your spirit is the real you. In other words, the minute that your heart stops beating, your spirit is going to leave your body and your soul is going with it. That's why whenever you get to heaven, you'll know who grandma is because your intellect goes with you to heaven. But your soul, even though it goes to heaven, doesn't mean that it doesn't need some work. How many of y'all know the minute that you got saved did not end all of your mind problems? Did not mind, meant, it didn't end all of your soul problems. I always heard it said like this. The Lord told a guy named Kenneth Hagin, he said, your, your mind doesn't stay renewed any more than your hair stays combed. In other words, you always have to comb your hair and you're always going to have to renew your mind to the word of God. And the Bible says, cast down vain imaginations and everything that exalts itself above the knowledge of God and bring every thought captive into the obedience of the word of God. And that's something that you'll do daily. We usually do pretty good while we're at church. Right? But how many of y'all know you can, you, if somebody runs into your car in the church parking lot, it can get heated. Right? I will cut you in the parking lot, in the parking lot of the church, right? Or somebody gets in front of you in the Piccadilly line. Or there's one person holding the spot and then nine people come and get with that one person in the Piccadilly line. How many, how many of you want to get on to them? Yes, yes. But you just got out of where? Church. church. Just got out of church. Just got sanctified and unsanctified all in an hour. You just go the whole gamut, right? So, so your mind, it, your hair gets messed up and your, your mind gets messed up. And in your mind, though, is, is this will. And your will can be really strong-willed. Have you ever had a strong-willed child? I have one now. Uh, she's not in here. Uh, her name's Ansley. And Ansley, uh, Ansley's one of these, whenever you spank her, she just gets madder, yeah. right? She's like, you won't break me. And I'm like, yes, I will. And then after a while, you're like, you're right. <laughs> I won't break you. You are a strong-willed child, right? We wrestle and stuff. And if I hurt her, then she, she doesn't like run off and cry in a corner. She comes back and she makes this face like. And she pinches me and she tries to push her fingers through my arms. And like a talon, I mean, and she will bite you. And she, she just, she's just strong-willed like that. Right, And we see people, I actually read an article, I thought it was funny because I printed it out. There was an article that, that was, it happened about a month ago and this is off of the news. It said a 95-year-old Marine and his daughter took down a would-be robber after the punk attempted to break down their back door and steal their money on the night of December 4th, 2017. The man, simply known as Fred, told police his dog started barking late in the night, alerting his attention to the back of the house, and then he saw someone trying to break through the door. So the World War II veteran was suddenly face-to-face -face with the alleged degenerate, and it gives his name. We'll just call him Mr. Wells in case it's your uncle or something. That's my uncle. <laughs> Don't raise your hand. Uh, Mr. Wells is a 53-year-old Wisconsin resident, and Mr. Fred said, I was standing nose-to-nose -nose with him. 
And according to Fred, uh, Mr. Wells threatened to kill him and his dog if he did not hand over his wallet. But Mr. Fred refused to do so. In fact, the middle-aged man standing in front of Fred only made him angry. I like that. He says, I wasn't scared. I was just so mad. The veteran was able to wrestle down. Can you see a 95-year-old man taking down this 58-year-old man in his kitchen? I will take you down. But, but Wells managed to briefly get away from, from Fred, uh, to briefly get away as Fred's 51-year-old daughter ran down the stairs in response to her father's shouts. And Mary tackled the man and was able to retrieve her father's wallet. However, the thief fought back and fled down the street, but Mary chased after him. <laughs> How many of y'all like these people? What I'm talking about. Apparently, Wells was not only stupid enough to try to rob a 95-year-old combat veteran, he was also slow as molasses. According to Mary, the man was not a very fast runner, and I could have caught him at any point. I like Mary. But I didn't want to tackle him because nobody knows where I was, she says. Eventually, Mary pinned him down until police after arrived, and he got stuck as he was trying to jump over a chain-link fence. Upon arresting the individuals, authorities discovered that he had already uh, stolen some other stuff. And then this is, this is Mary. She says, I was mad because of what he did to my dad. We jumped over two fences, ran through 12 yards, and it was just reflexes, I guess. I guess my dad rubbed off on me. There's something about Jesus I think is like that, that if you get around him, he'll just rub off on you and just say, yeah, I don't care what I look like. I will wrestle you in the kitchen. And if I can't do it, then here come my kids. We will bite and claw and chase you two fences and 12 yards. Give me back my wallet. Just the will, right? And, and that, that will and determination. And I've mentioned this guy in here before. You know, he's the world's best ultra runner, ultra marathoner, you know. And uh, uh, David Groggins is his name. And, and he set out. The only reason I'm bringing him up is he, I, I saw an article where he said, I, I set out to break the human will. I wanted to see if I could break the human will. So he would just start running. And uh, some of the, the stuff that he did, which is um, amazing, it says he's the best endurance athlete of all time. He's the only person to have completed Navy SEAL training, Army Ranger School, and Air Force Tactical Air Controller training. He's completed two Navy SEAL Hell Weeks. He ran 100 miles in 19 hours. He ran 135 miles in under 26 hours. Now, whenever I say 26 hours, that's not over the course of a year. That's how it would be for me. It's like, I ran 126 miles in the year two, from 2000 to 2010. <laughs> he did over 4,000 pull-ups in 24 hours, set a Guinness World Record, and he completed the Ironman Championship in just under 11 hours. And he talks about in the 70th mile of his 100-mile race, he started peeing blood. And I broke all the bones in his feet, and he had 30 miles to go. But he tells how he does it. He says, he says I would visualize. He says, I visualize myself accomplishing my goals. He said, it's critical for pushing through intense pain and suffering because it recalls the season for engaging in the task at all. Why did I set out to do this in the first place? He says, I just played that through my mind for the last 30 miles, five hours of running in, on broken bones and peeing blood. He says, self-talk is quiet and silent, but it reminds, it reminds me and gives myself to stay assured that the task can be completed. 
you're talking about somebody that's willed, right? Whether you're 95 or whether you're, whether you're an endurance runner, there is that form of will. And if you know anything about Jesus, one of the most famous prayers of Jesus is whenever Jesus is in the garden. And uh, Jesus is, is, is kneeling. And when we, when we think of Jesus kneeling in the garden, you know, we think like the Tebow, right? But I, I doubt that he is Tebowing. Uh, something tells me that, that the, the, the anguish that he is in was, was, uh, was such a way that, like, if, if you were a mother whose child died, if you can imagine, I watched a documentary recently of a woman who, whose child was abducted, and when her brother came over, the brother said, I heard a sound like I've never heard before, and it was my sister just letting out this groan and this intense distress and he started to cry he says I can still hear it you know and this was years later he could still hear that travailing and that moaning and when we see Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane and he's kneeling I, I, I submit he's on all fours and he is letting out sounds that the Bible says that he began to uh, sweat blood, which we know that really you're not probably sweating blood as much as the capillaries in his face are exploding and he's bleeding out of his forehead just in anguish for what he is about to take on. That's our king. Come on, y'all know that's our commander. And he did that uh, for, for you and I. And the Bible says that he took on the sins of the world. And he took on all sicknesses and diseases, malaria and the black plague. And anything you could ever think of, all the conditions of sin, he owned that for you and I. And it busted the blood vessels in his face. And he is down on his hands and knees just, and, but he says, God, if there's any other way for this to go down. If there's any other way that this can happen. But he says, nevertheless, not my, what? Will. will. He says, not my will, but your will. So he aligns his will, his purpose with everything in him. I submit Jesus is the greatest endurance athlete ever, right? He went through some training that nobody will ever go through. And yet he says, nevertheless, not my will, yet your will be done. Another significant person that we see that had an intense will in the, in the New Testament would be the Apostle Paul. And I'm going to read you a passage of scripture about the Apostle Paul uh, because he went through extreme adversity. And uh, I'm showing you this because I want you to see uh, that there is a strong will that you can have from God that just helps you persevere. Whether you're fasting or whether you go through tragedy or difficulty, there is something that, that you have on the inside of you. Naturally, you have a will. You were born with a will, right? Ansley was born strong-willed. But there's also something that the Lord will come alongside and he will strengthen your will or your resolve. In times, he said, if I would have fainted unless... I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. In other words, there is a fainting, but he said, but I believe that what I'm doing, that there is somebody that's helping me in this and he'll get me through this. The Apostle Paul, and I'm going to read out of the message just so I can read it a little quicker and get through it, but so that you can see what he's saying. Uh, uh, this is 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And I'm going to 
start in verse number 23, but it's really about 24. So y'all put it up and see where we're at. I've worked much harder. I've been, more, I've been jailed more often. I've been beaten up more times than I can count. This is the Apostle Paul. He says, I've been at death's door time after time. Give me the next one. I've been flogged five times with the Jews, 39 lashes. And that just means there's a whip that has 39 lashes. If you've ever seen Passion of the Christ, whenever they beat Jesus, Paul said they did that to me five times. You can imagine what his back looked like. He would be basically unrecognizable if you looked at his back. He said, I was beaten with Roman rods three times. I've been pummeled once with rocks. If you read that account in Acts, they literally stoned him to death. They drug him outside of Lystra. They thought he was dead when they left him, but he came walking back into the city. I ain't dead yet, baby. Next verse. He said, I've been shipwrecked three times. I was immersed in the open sea for a night and a day. In hard traveling year in and year out, I've had to ford rivers, fend off robbers, struggle with friends, struggle with foes. I've been at risk in the city, at risk in the country. I've been endangered by desert sun, sea storm. I've been betrayed by those who thought they were, who thought though they were my brothers. How many ever felt like that before? I've known drudgery and hard labor. Have you ever been there before? Many a long and lonely nights without sleep. Have you ever just been lonely? I've missed a many a meal. I've been blasted by the coal and I've been naked to the weather. And that's not the half of it. When you throw in the daily pressures and anxieties of all the churches, when someone gets to the end of his rope, I feel the desperation in my bones. And when somebody's duped into sin, an angry fire burns within my guts. Go to the next one. And he says, but if I have to brag about myself, I'll brag about the humiliations that make me like Jesus. How about somebody that if you looked at him with just his underbritches on, his body wears the scars of those beatings and stonings. He's strong-willed, and yet he persevered. And we see him in Philippians chapter 1. In Philippians chapter 1, he's in, at this point when he's writing this, he's in prison. And he's writing to the church at Philippi. And he's the quarterback for Christianity at this time. In other words, whenever he got arrested, uh, all the air kind of went out of the sails of, of, of many of the Christians. You have to understand that Christianity was on the rise. Thousands of people are getting saved every day, and it's up ending the Roman Empire. The Romans aren't happy, so they're trying to squash it. That's why they're beating him with rods and stoning him. They would, they would take Peter and bring him in and, and, and whip them and say, you have to stop preaching about Jesus. But they said, is it better for me to obey you or obey God? You just might as well keep your stick ready because I'm not going to quit preaching about Jesus. You just keep beating me because I'm not stopping because I'm going to stand before God and I'm more worried about standing before him than I am standing before you. So they, they just, they, would, they were trying to squash out Christianity. Paul is in prison and he writes to uh, the people in Philippi and in verse number one, he says, I know that through your prayers, and God's provision of the spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will, everybody say will, will, will turn out 
for my deliverance. I want you to see the way this man thinks and the way he talks. Because he don't talk lack, he don't talk, he doesn't talk doubt, he doesn't talk defeat, he doesn't whine, he doesn't murmur, he doesn't complain, he doesn't poor me. He says, hey, y'all remember whenever he was shipwrecked that everybody's, we're going to die, we're going to die. And Paul stands up, he says, everybody cheer up. There will be no loss of life on this ship for the Lord has visited me and we're going to be okay. And he's telling these people, he says, all y'all are crying because I'm in prison, but this will turn out for my deliverance. No matter what, this is going to be okay and you're going to be okay. I eagerly expect, come on, how many of you expect in 2018? Come on, I'm encouraging, just turn your expectation up. You say, I've been shipwrecked. Cheer up, you're going to be all right. Joy of the Lord's your strength. Come on, shake it off like Taylor Swift. <laughs> shake it off. He says, I, I eagerly expect and I hope that I will in no way be ashamed. Just because I'm in prison, I will not be ashamed. I will have sufficient courage so that now as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. What's he saying? I don't have to survive, but I will. If I'm going to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and go to heaven and be with Christ, which is better by far. But if convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. So that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. Boy, that word's used a lot, isn't it? He says, whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or I'm only here about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. That's what we are as a church. We're striving together. We're unified. We don't let anything mess up our unity. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed. But you will be saved. And that by God, for it has been granted to you on the behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer Him for him since you're going through the same struggle that I had. And now... I hear I still have. What's he saying? He's saying, my will and my resolve is strong. Whether I live or die, it's going to be all right. And you're going to be all right. And I'm encouraging you to stay unified and walk worthy of the Lord for with you have been called. Just have a strong will. Now, that's one side of will, which is a strength of mental fortitude, intestinal fortitude, and just ramming through. But there's another side of will that I want to show you, and this is the exact same author, and I want you to show you the way he writes in Romans. Now he's writing to a group of people in Romans, and I suspect there'll be a lot of you shaking your head like this whenever I read these next few verses, because we can all find ourselves here in this passage of Scripture. Uh, and he's writing to them about the Ten Commandments and about the law. And he said, God gave us the Ten Commandments, but it didn't cure the sin problem. God gave the Ten Commandments, and how many of y'all know people still sinned? Right, he actually says, he said, actually, the Ten Commandments made it easier to sin because I would get depressed about not keeping the Ten Commandments, and then I would just sit around and eat a whole bunch of ding-dongs <laughs> and t Twinkies because of 
my depression on not being able to keep up with the law. And he says, so you have the law, but you have Jesus, what Jesus brought. And he said, but so he's talking about the law was good in some respects, but verse number 17, he says, but I need something more. For I know the law or I know the Bible, but I still can't keep it. How many ever felt like that before? And the power of sin within me keeps sabotaging my best intentions. I obviously need help. Now, this is the guy that we just wrote just how bad to the bone he is. And yet there's a will that has to do with sin. And he says, the power of sin keeps sabotaging my intentions. I need help. I realize I don't have what it takes. I can will it, but I can't do it. I decide to do good, but I don't really do it. I decide not to do bad, but then do it anyway. There goes the head, the head shaking. Everybody shaking their heads now. My decisions, such as they are, they don't result in actions. Something has gone deep, has gone wrong deep within me, and it gets the better of me every time. How many ever felt like that before? Boy, he's reading our mail, didn't he? He, he, he says... And this is the problem. People think there's something deep wrong with you. There's nothing deep wrong with you. Nothing, there's nothing wrong with you. In fact, we'll read in a minute, in the very next chapter, verse number eight, he says, there's no condemnation to those that live God are called according to his purpose. There's nothing wrong with you, so don't let the devil tell you that there's anything wrong with you. There's something wrong with sin. And, but how I many of y'all know we got the cure for that? And it's not the law. But he says, it happens so regularly that it's predictable. The moment I decide to do good, sin is there to trip me up. And I truly delight in God's commands. But it's pretty obvious that not all of me joins in that delight. Part of me covertly rebels. And just when I least expect it, they take charge. I've tried everything and nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one who can do anything for me? Question mark. You understand he's preaching, he's teaching here, and he's asking them a question, and they're all shaking their heads, and now he's about to give them the answer. And he says, isn't that the real question? The answer, thank God, is that Jesus Christ can and does. He acted to set things right in this life of contradictions where I want to serve God with all my heart and mind, but I am pulled by the influence of sin to do something totally different. So you have here a man that's got strong will in one area, but he also recognizes there is another will. And you can have in your guts, I want to serve God, but if you don't deal with this other part of your will, which is your mind, your thoughts, your body. So you have to train your, you have to really, it's, it is like boot camp, it is Navy SEAL training, and it's not just gonna happen in an hour on a Sunday morning. I wish I could wave a wand over all of you or sprinkle some Holy Ghost on you. No, I have the Holy Ghost, right? And yet I'm just like the Apostle Paul. There is a war within me. Joyce, book, Joyce Meyer's most famous book she ever wrote was The Battlefield of the Mind. It's all The Battlefield of the Mind. So he goes into Romans chapter 8 and he shows us how to get control of this part of your life. So if you're one of those that says, man, I just keep getting tripped up. I just keep, and I want, and I want, I want. In Romans chapter 8, which is your homework assignment this week, is you just read Romans chapter 8 and read it in a translation that you understand. So if the only Bible you got is that giant thing that your great, great, great grandma had, 
that squeaks when you open it, go get you one that you can understand and read Romans chapter 8 because he really gives the remedy and I'm going to give it to you just the best I can in the next five minutes, which is in Romans chapter 8, verse number 5. I'd like to start in verse 1. I just don't quite have enough time to do it, to read the whole chapter. But in verse number 5, he says, those who live according to the flesh are those that, that are dominated by the flesh they have set their minds on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind, oh, my, my iPad just died. Christian, give me your notes back there. Hey, uh, grab those, Vern, or somebody run them up to me. My iPad died, sorry. You know what? We're gonna push through this obstacle of technology technological obstacle that's why I have backup but ow how you like me now all right I don't know where I stopped the it says I'll just start over it says those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires but those who live according to the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires this is the key right here if you have struggles in this you're gonna have to really get proactive with with your mind renewing your mind and the only way the best way to really renew your mind is with the word of God that, that he says you're going to have to set your mind the mind governed by the flesh is death but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace you won't have that turmoil anymore that raging war I can't I can't I can't I can't I can't no 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 if you'll learn how to set your mind on things of the spirit you'll have life and peace the life that's governed by the flesh is hostile to God it does not submit to God's law nor can it it's impossible those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God you however you are not in the realm of the flesh you're in the realm of the spirit if indeed the spirit of God lives in you. And if anybody has the spirit of Christ, if anybody does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even your body is subject to death because of sin. But the spirit gives the life of righteousness. And the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. So you have to uh, really brainwash yourself Right? So they go to that church. They brainwash people. Absolutely. Your, your, your brain needs washing. Trust me. My brain needs washing. Scrub-a-dub in the tub. Get some bleach. Pour it in my ears. My God, I need my brain washed. To what? The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is in me. My mortal body, it's quickening me. And as you renew your mind to in Christ realities of sit, walk, stand. How I many remember that series? That you're seated with him in heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion. And every name is named not only in this world, but also that which is to come. And he's put all things under your feet. Once you start renewing your mind, then here comes life and peace. And the things that used to trip you up don't trip you up anymore. So my encouragement for 2018 is just to get strong-willed like a 95-year-old World War II veteran that says, you won't have my wallet. Me and my daughter, me and my kids, we will kick your butt up and down this town. So you have to have that will and determination, but also recognize there is a war and you can't carry that will and determination without renewing your mind. 
or you're going to struggle for the rest of your life, right? Because you have that will and determination, and yet you never find life in peace because you don't renew your mind to these, these realities. So let's make it real practical. How do we do that? Well, how do I renew my mind to it? Well, it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't happen on accident. You purposefully comb your hair every day unless it's Saturday, right? <laughs> But, but we all purposefully, right? And the younger you are, the more effort you put into it. I mean, I remember being 12. It'll take you 30 minutes to do your hair when you're 12, man. You're like <laughs> hard as a rock, you know? Uh, but but you, whatever, you, whatever your process is, whether you're rolling your hair or whatever, it, it doesn't happen on accident, it, it's a predetermined purpose. It is, I have to do this. So whatever means necessary, uh, possible for you to practically just renew your mind, uh, the best way that you can do it is get your mouth moving. Because whatever's coming out of your mouth is stronger than what's in your head. That's why they'll do these exercises where you can't count to 100 and then say your ABCs at the same time because your tongue is more powerful than your mind. You can't do both of them. Whatever's coming out of your mouth is always going to override what's happening in your, mouth, in your mind. So if you stay silent, then you lose by default would be the way that my pastor would say it. So you have to get your mouth moving the right direction. That's why last week we played that I can handle it. How many of y'all saw that I can handle it? We had a lot of people say, where'd you get that? Where'd you get that I I can handle it. Uh, uh, you know, for us, it, it, with my kids, it starts in the car, right on the way to school. Give me a scripture, Noel. Give me a scripture. And we just start renewing our mind to those realities. Put some stuff up on your mirror while you're brushing your teeth. Have something that's coming out of your mouth that's going to renew your mind to who you are in Christ, what you have in Christ, and what you can do in Christ. And, and however, whatever that takes, just do that in 2018. It'll be a lot better in 2017. And instead of the, the guy coming into your house stealing your wallet, you'll be chasing him down the street and say, never again, never again. And does that mean that you won't slip up and that you won't sin? No, absolutely. It doesn't mean that, there, that you won't, but it won't be a life of, of this. You can win the battlefield of your mine you can absolutely overcome so this is my prayer the last thing i'll give you before we go and uh, i really wanted to read psalms 91 i may just bless you with psalms 91 but in colossians chapter 1 verse number 9 the apostle paul writing to another person another group of people in another town called Colossae, he says i have not stopped praying for you this is my prayer for you for our church i have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you and I'm asking God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. And then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord. And your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while, you will grow. I want you to know in 2018, if you stick around here for a year, you will grow. You will absolutely, you will grow. And the way you grow is as you what? Learn. As you just learn to know God better and better, you'll grow. So it's not so much a wrinkle in your face up like, I have this will. I'm going to beat the robber up. No, no, no. The first place is just sitting, right? And just saying, God, I purpose in 2018 just to know you better, just to grow. If you'll just endeavor to know him better, you'll grow. And as you grow, you grow in your understanding, you grow in your spiritual wisdom, you grow in the knowledge of him, 
then he starts to unravel some of these things that bind us, these mental things. He unravels these things, and then you become a champion, right? But how many of y'all know there are some hell weeks ahead? How many of y'all know you don't become, you don't go through Navy SEAL without completing hell week? And that doesn't mean that there won't be some hell weeks in 2018, but you can at the end of it. You, you can make it through, and you can win. So I'll leave you with Psalms 91. And the reason Psalms 91, uh, oh, man, my thing died. I don't have it on this one. Give me your Bible. Psalms 91. I'm just going to bless you with Psalms 91, and then, and then I'll pray. Because what's beautiful about Psalms 91 is, again, you're going to see the mouth moving of the psalmist David. And the psalmist David, he just purposes, he says one time, I will do this. And after he says, I will do this, then the Lord steps up and he says, okay, because you made that decision, now this is what I'm going to do for you. And I love that. And there's a whole bunch of things that God does for us whenever we just take that one step, right? And the psalmist David in the verse, in, in, in Psalms 91, I'm reading out of NLT if you want to put it up there behind me. It says, those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest. You will find rest this year in the shadow of the Almighty. But now watch this. This is David. He says, this I declare. There's his mouth right there. He says, I will say of the Lord... Three things. He alone is my refuge. What's refuge means? That's where you live. Come on, we're not just passing through on Sunday giving him a nod, giving him a wave, and giving him a tip in the offering, right? Here's $2. I'm going about my way. Well, you won't get any of the things he says that he'll do for you because he, he says here, he says, I declare about the Lord. He is my home. He is my refuge. He is my place of safety, and he is my God in him. I trust. There's faith. God, I trust you no matter what. And now watch, watch what God says. God says, okay, you said that. God says, I will rescue you from every trap. I will protect you from deadly disease. I will cover you with my feathers. I will shelter you with my wings. My faithful promises are your armor and protection. Do not be afraid of the terrors of night or the arrows that fly in the day. Do not dread the diseases that stalk in darkness or Kim Jong. Just throw that in there, 2018. Kimmy Jong. Do not dread the diseases that stalk in darkness, nor the disasters that strike at midday. Though a thousand fall at your side and 10,000 are dying around you, these evils will not touch you. Open your eyes and see how the wicked are punished. If you make the Lord your refuge, your home, there he is again. And if you make the Most High your shelter, no evil will conquer you. No plague will come near your home, me or my kids. He says, what verse am I at? I lost it. No evil will conquer you. No plague will come near your home. For he will order his angels to protect you. He says, I'll order my angels to protect you wherever you go. They will hold you up with their hands. You won't even hurt your foot on a stone. You will trample the lion and the cobra. And you will crush fierce lions and serpents under your feet. The Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. Here's God's will. You ever want to know what his will is? Just read the book. I don't know what God's will is. Read the book. He's right here. He says... He says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust, there's faith, who trust in my name. 
And when they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them. And I will reward him. Don't ever think there ain't a reward. There's always a reward. It don't come on the 1st and the 15th, but there is a reward. And it's things that money can't buy. There is a reward for making him your most high. I will reward them with long life. And I will show them or give them my salvation. God's will, your will, right? And I want all of you to have this intestinal fortitude, but also not to war with sin. No, no, no. If you'll just renew your mind to the word of God. If you suffer with healing or sickness in your body, renew your mind to scriptures on the health and healing of Jesus. Financially, if you're always broke, get scriptures and renew your mind to God's abundance. Renew your mind to God's faithfulness and, and, and be obedient to what he says, whether it's your eating or your giving or whatever it is. If you'll fall in, he just gave you a whole long list of stuff that he will do for you. Jesus is a strong-willed child. Paul is a strong-willed child, right? And we're supposed to be their kids, right? right? We're disciples of, of Paul, and we're sons of God. So God wants us to be strong-willed in our resolve.